0: Hello, everyone. This is Paul James Caton with Journey into Spiritualism. In today's episode, I'm going to be sharing another classic podcast from my former show, The Spirit Side. This is an episode I recorded with a gentleman by the name of Stan Wanglin, and we talked about those mysterious strangers who were never there. People who encountered mysterious strangers who were there for them in a time of need and then seemingly vanished. Into thin air it was a great show a great conversation and I hope you enjoy listening to it as much as we did recording it greetings everyone and welcome to the spirit side podcast joining me again today is Stan Wangland and we're gonna talk about those mysterious strangers who are never there people you might meet in bizarre places or even public places, and then you find out they never existed. So once again, welcome to the podcast, Stan. Good to have you.
1: Oh, thanks, Paul. It's great to be here, and uh, your, your audience just missed us having podcast bloopers. <laughs> <laughs> and, indeed, I am Stan Wanglin. I'm, uh, I'm a clinical psychologist retired from the state of New York, and I'm also an adjunct professor, actively employed uh, currently. So just so that your
0: uh, viewers know who the heck I am. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I was I was trying to I was trying to introduce him properly with his titles, and I kept stumbling over it because, uh, as I was telling Stan, I think it's uh, I think it's nice for people out there to know that there are very educated scientific people, you know that that believe in spiritual things and have experienced uh, things they couldn't quite uh, understand. Uh, I think people today have this idea that if you're scientific, that you're, you know, an atheist or uh, you know that the concept of God or spirit is nothing but the tooth fairy and Santa Claus in the sky. So it's, it's good, I think, for people to know that someone of your uh, uh, background, uh, you know, believes in the spirit side. <laughs> Absolutely, my friend, and
1: uh, uh, you know, not just me. As uh, as a matter of fact, your audience should check up the check out the famous philosopher Anton Flew, who was a atheist for his entire life. a Famous person, and in a lot of years of his life, uh, certainly did a complete reversal. Or the astronaut, uh, you know, and Voyager to the moon, uh, you know, Doctor Edgar Mitchell. So that's just to name a couple of thousands of people who were scientists or philosophers
0: or, uh, believe in spirit Yeah. There's, there's definitely a lot of them out there, you know, throughout history and even the modern day, but. Oh
1: yeah. Oh yeah.
0: And it's like I said, I, I think it was one of the, the podcasts. Uh, I don't know if you were the guest or someone else where we talked about all of the, um, you know the, these institutes that are popping up, where people are studying the the near death experience, because there's parts of it that just can't be explained by the the dying brain. And these individuals are surgeons, neurosurgeons, doctors, you know, um, oh, sure. you know, very educated people who did not believe in uh, God or an afterlife, and and just by working with so many patients that had this experience, they said, you know, something is going on here. And, you know, they started doing their, their research, and now they're, they're firm believers in uh, is something uh, much larger and beyond this material world that we live in.
1: Absolutely, and, you know, that, uh, that's been around for quite a, a while, and I'm sure you're familiar with it, uh, with the work of uh, Kugler-Ross, Dr. Elizabeth Kugler-Ross. Yep. And uh, these, you know, on death and dying, I think was the name of her famous uh, book. And all these, uh, you know, near-death experiences of people who were pronounced clinically, uh, you know, dead, uh, and uh, you know had all these kind of amazing uh, experiences. You know, some people explain that uh, away by some random events in the uh, in, in your uh, neuroanatomy and your central nervous system. Other people, you know, have different explanations about that. You know, about those kinds of things. And then other people have had all kinds of personal experiences, uh, which I guess you could call them CBEs or clinically based uh, experiences. Mm -hmm. They themselves, you know, you don't have the empirical evidence, meaning uh, studies or or so on and so forth. But, um, you know, you have uh, these events uh, that they've seen that are based on their clinical experience. Uh, it's, it's part of the critical thinking process as well. It's like in medicine when studies aren't done to prove something at this point, uh, or they are, and you also have what they call clinical based mm-hmm. experience, observation, direct observations from clinical people or scientists in the field that aren't part of the study but are part of observation. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of that around. It, it's Some of it's bogus and some percentage of it, uh, you know, has a degree of validity, I'm sure. You know, un- not unlike. Uh, you know, extraterrestrial spacecraft or, you know, uh, formerly uh, thought extinct uh, animals that uh, all of a sudden show up after 500 years with people saying they don't exist, uh, you know, those kinds of things. There's, there's always the possibility uh, in many cases for those kind of things. I mean, just to throw that out there for the audience. It's, you know, it's not just a bunch of ravings of uh, people who are lunatics. You can be a, a sane, stable, non-delusional person and uh you know have these experiences or you know think that there might be some uh degree of validity to them so it's i'm I'm glad to be on your show and uh to talk about them and i think we've got some some interesting things today i know you do to be sure
0: yeah um, i was talking with uh stan the other night and we were uh just got into talking about some of these personal experiences. And this is where we got the, uh, the idea for the podcast because we were telling some really great stories of personal experiences that we had and uh, just thought it would be a good idea for folks out there to, um, to hear them because they're, they're interesting. They're, they're comforting and it's, it it certainly does open up the, uh, the mind to say, you know, who or what else is is out there beyond this little uh three dimensional uh, reality that we live in
1: absolutely absolutely uh you, 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 you perfectly said
0: you know and and one of those stories i guess i'll uh you know i'll kick the football here <laughs> get the uh, get the game going uh now that i've done um the podcast and angel came down part one and two. And people are a little bit familiar with that. Uh, I'm I'm sure that uh, some folks may remember in a a past uh, podcast, I had mentioned uh, this strange girl that I met when I went to uh, a bookstore at one point. And now, you know, I can expand on that story because the thing was, I've had this uh, angelic experience in the past, and I, I didn't know what it was. Was it was it alien? Was it angel? Was it my own imagination? Was I, you know, uh, bonkers in, in some particular way? And uh, it, it was the the late summer of two thousand three, where I really kind of went on uh, a quest to to try to find answers. And one of the things that happened, I had just gotten over this really, really bad summer cold, and I ended up one weekend going to the bookstore, me and a friend of mine, and it, it was a little too soon after the cold. I mean, the the bookstore was, you know, an hour's drive away. Uh, it was a hot summer day, you know, in August. By the time we got there, you know, I was feeling kind of run down. And I went into the bookstore, and there was a particular author that I wanted to um, to look up, a metaphysical author, Emmett Fox. I didn't know if he still had books in print, you know, if I could find any. And I went upstairs in the, the, the bookstore to where the metaphysical section was, and, you know, they had a little kiosk there, and there was this, you know, young girl. She was kind of short, you know, uh, black hair, glasses, and... uh I walked up to her and I asked if, you know, they had any books by this author. And, uh, you know, she, oh yeah, he's, he's right over here. So she, she walks me over, you know, to the, to the bookshelf. And on the way I'm explaining to her, I was like, man, you know, uh, I I figured I'd stop and ask you rather than, you know, go, go hunting myself, you know, getting over this summer cold, I'm a little woozy. You know, just making small talk, and we, you know, we we get to the bookshelf, and she she pulls all the books of Emma Fox off. We have this one, we have this one. I'm like, oh, you know, thank you. And then she she stands there while I I pick my books out, like she's waiting. And then when I'm all done, you know, and, and I I get the ones that I want, and she's you know she's walking next to me as I as I'm leaving, and she's like, do, do you want me to do you want me to walk you to the counter? Do, do you want me to you know? uh, you know, walk you to your car or are you okay? You know, uh, I'm like, no, it's, it's, it's fine. I just, just a little, uh, little woozy, a little fuzzy headed, you know, she was like extremely nice, you know, and there was an escalator that, uh, went to the, uh, you know, the, the downstairs and I got on the escalator and she's, you know, standing at the top of the escalator as I'm uh, going down. And she's like, well, if, if you need anything, if you need any help, come back and let me know. And I was like, yeah, it's, it's, it's fine. Thank you. You know? And so long story short, uh, and the interesting part was too, uh, just to throw in, as I noticed her name tag, uh, was Sarah, which was the same name of this being that I had encountered, uh, in the past S A R A no H at the end. And, um, it was a couple of weeks later, you know, I was feeling better, you know, we we went back to the bookstore because some of us lived at uh, Barnes and Noble, you know, at that, at that time. And while I was there, I, I went up to the usual metaphysical section and, you know, there was an older lady at the kiosk and I just got the idea, you know, I I'd, I'd, I'd wanted to look this girl up and just thank her for being, you know, so nice and attentive and making sure I was okay. So I went up to the, the older lady at the kiosk, and I said, "Excuse me, is uh, do you know if Sarah is working today?" And she kind of looked at me and wrinkled up her nose, and she was like, "Who?" And I said, I said uh, "Sarah, young girl, black hair, glasses." And she shakes her head, and she says, "We we don't have a Sarah working here. No, nobody by that description." I said, "Are you sure? I just talked. I just talked to her uh, a couple weeks ago. I was in here. I wasn't feeling well. She was." Really helpful, really nice. And she said, no, there's no one here by that name or description. And the store had moved at one point. And she said, I, I worked in this store, you know, be, before uh, before we moved to this new location years ago. And she goes, I, I don't ever remember a Sarah working uh, at this particular uh, branch of the store. You know, certainly no one, you know, who who fits that description. So who was she? Was she... The manifestation of, uh, you know, this uh, energy, this being, you know, that that I was going on the quest for to to find out the answers was it something else? But there she was, one of those uh, mysterious strangers who were never there.
1: Wow, that that's and that's that's well put. it. you know, when I, when I, you told me that story the other day. I'd ask you the same thing that I'd ask uh, you know in front of your uh, viewers that I asked you. Now, you know you you remember clearly nothing. You weren't sick or ill or on medication or any such thing when you saw Sarah in the bookstore. You can remember it just like you're speaking to me right now or doing the podcast. That, that that's correct. Am I right?
0: Yeah, I remember she had a uh, she had a light brown shirt on. Her sleeves were rolled up to the elbows. Uh, you know, the, the name tag, her hair was kind of, uh, um, it looked a little disheveled, but not messy on the top. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and the person that you asked about this, Sarah, I mean, you checked it out with her. She knew everybody who worked there, right? It wasn't like, like said, like she could have forgotten the Sarah.
0: Yeah, I, I had only asked her. You know, I didn't ask anyone else, but you know, she was adamant that there was, there was no uh, no Sarah in that store, no one by that. Uh, and as much as we went to Barnes and Noble, I mean, like I said, we went sometimes every week, every other week, and I, I never I never saw that girl again. You know, I saw a lot of other workers that I remember. You know, uh, pushing the little uh, cart of books or working at the counters you know familiar faces that were uh, there week after week even month after month um, never saw I, never saw Sarah again
1: yeah and it, you know that that's that, that kind of stuff is eerie and uh, you know it ties into the other experiences that you have with Sarah the other Sarah uh, you know that you you talked about in your uh you know your other stories and podcasts. and it reminds me of um I, I can you know two two things when I was in college, if I, if I might, can I add something on to your story there?
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: I, I can re, I can remember uh, when I was an undergraduate, I was actually working with the fellow Dr. Alan Elfont at Brooklyn College. It was basically on the dynamics of group therapy, and uh, we were just college students volunteering to participate in the group. Uh, You know, so we could learn the dynamics of group therapy and he was, you know, working on some postdoctoral things. So it was for like credit and for learning for us and everything. And I'll never forget one of the gals in the course was uh, wonderful. She was a wonderful student. Very nice. And out of nowhere came into the uh, group and, you know, we hadn't seen her a couple of weeks and then shared with us. She was being plagued by polter, like a poltergeist. You know, it's like a playful spirit of, of something that, you know, uh, you know, initially that she had had her entire life of uh, being that, you know, pretty much followed her around mm-hmm. like the movie, the entity. And it had gotten so bad. Um, I lived in Brooklyn at the time. This was at Brooklyn college uh, that she had rented an apartment uh, and the window of her apartment faced. Uh, you'd have to real you'd have to, you know, Brooklyn or a big city buildings built right next to one another. So sometimes you'll have a building and it'll be built to another building. Literally, you could reach over and shake the hand of your neighbor in the next building through the open window. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they had a building like that. And the building had been, uh, you know, sold and condemned or whatever it was. It had been all bricked over. And uh, she had this poltergeist experience, uh, you know. And uh, it, it was doing all kinds of things in her house. And as she's standing, she's looking out this window, uh, you know, this one day, and hears a voice or sees something across the thing. And from her window, where she's standing, it comes like an object, like a rock or a pellet or whatever it was. Boom! Through the window, window, and lodged in the wall. Wow! And uh, you know, like a like somebody fired a bullet. Mm-hmm. You know. She didn't know what happened, and she uh, I i can't recall whether she had gotten grazed or whatever it is, but she had to get the New York City police involved. And when the police involved, they came up. They thought she was faking or whatever the hell was going on. And we asked her, like, why? It's because the trajectory of the bullet, which indeed did come through the window, because there was it didn't shatter the window. It came through the window and the entry, you know, like I would make an entry hole on the outside of the window. Mm-hmm. There was uh, the, whatever object came through the window, the object came through from the other side, outside, but everything was walled up. Hmm. She was like on the sixth floor. Wow. Yeah, that's a wow moment.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: Uh, uh, I, and I'll never forget, you know, the, you know, Dr. Alfon, I mean, you know, thinking now oh, is, this, is this girl, I kind of lost her mind, and no You know, we found out afterwards she was, you know, deathly serious, and this had indeed happened. And parapsychology at that time was, uh, this was in the early 70s, Uh, that wasn't a really big thing. And if you were a psychologist, that was pretty much the kiss of death. If you were involved in something like that, you know? Yeah, yeah. You didn't really pursue it. Now, when I was at St. John's University, taking my graduate work, I took a graduate seminar and you guys can check him out on Google that was shared by Dr. Rex Stanford. I think he's still alive and he's around. He was a couple of years ago and I looked him up and he was from Duke University the famous Rhine uh, studies at Duke University. And, and my goodness gracious, I was the only other graduate student in that seminar because everybody else had a PhD from another discipline and it, everybody was there for the parapsychology stuff hmm. because uh, these are high, highly trained academics. Uh, You know, in various fields. Because at that time, the government was heavily involved, particularly in Russia, uh, in studying these phenomena. You know, whether it be like astral projection or long-distance viewing. I think I mentioned this before in spirituality. But all kinds of things to do with the paranormal. Uh, I never realized with myself until... Oh, many years later, that uh, you know, and everybody who knows me, my, my you know, my family members. Uh, that's my dog. That's not a spirit. The way you hear barking in the background there. Uh, uh, everybody in my family would say, "Wow, you have this, um, you have this ability to um, to have an idea about what's going to happen in the future, or something that's going on, uh, like a precognition, mm-hmm. something that's going on, and you you shouldn't know about it." And uh, I never realized I had all the classic features until I was in my I would say my uh my early forties and I took some courses in um, parapsychology, and I found out I had all of the classic kinds of things where I could see events that concerned you, uh you know like little uh little miniature uh events that were like video. Right, right. I'll see something, just like a little video thing and get an impression. And, and I don't necessarily know what it means, but it has, has to do with you. And I never realized, because I had never been taught that, these are the classic features. That and electric outlets, circuit breakers, light bulbs, everybody knows you burn out all the time when I'm highly agitated. I have a very sensitive skin, and I think that's one of the reasons as well. I think <laughs> I throw my immune system off if I become agitated. Uh, or, uh, you know, upset about something. But I can remember my son calling me from Iraq and uh, light bulbs blowing out uh, the house that uh, my son lives in now. That was our family home. I had to have uh, the circuit boxes changed. At one point, It was almost the fourth time. And the electrician there, and they said, we really can't tell you what's the matter. And then my wife finally realized it. And they said, well, of course, it's Stanley. Hmm. We're wasting our money. And wherever we'll move, it's the same thing. And if you came to the house here, you know, I was nervous about doing that Neil, Hale show, Neil Haley show last week. Yeah. I had two reactions. Number one, I have a little uh, little patch of eczema that fired up. And the other thing is we probably replaced uh, four light bulbs.
0: So you you were nervous to talk, oh, to Neil? <laughs>
1: yeah, I had anxiety about it. that. Was a that was a big deal for, for me, you know. Uh, when, you, when you're thinking of three million viewers or whatever it is, I mean, I wanted to do a nice job and everything. I was a little bit apprehensive with that. Mm. Now, what the heck does that have to do with people not being there? I'm just setting the stage. May I tell the story about my mom, or would you? Did you want to throw some other stuff out here?
0: No, oh, keep keep rolling with it. You're it's very interesting. Well, I, I was. Well, Yes, I wanted to just set the stage
1: for things. Now, my entire life, I've also been, I'm, I'm not going to just use the word spiritual. I've been a religious person. I believe in God very strongly. I believe that I have a personal relationship uh, with my God. And uh, we've gone over this before on other shows. Like other Christian folks, it's not not anything unusual. Some people think it's nutty, but <laughs> I promise you, I'm not delusional or crazy or whatever. I feel I have a personal relationship and i I, I can, you know, talk to God like I'm talking to you. and I can get a sense of what that answer is immediately. Yeah. Uh, or whenever it's appropriate. I, I mean, and it's understandable to me. Now, could that be my imagination or whatever? You, if you want to believe that, fine, I, I can understand you if you're not a believer and you think I'm manufacturing that, but I know that I'm not. Uh, and I can do that. I do that in times where I, there's nothing I'm looking to gain from that. Uh, it's not like I'm sick or dying or I'm praying for somebody. Just in a normal Conversational kind of way. Well, I just want to set the tone for the, the kind of spiritual person I am. My my daughter had passed away over over a period of of time, and my father had uh, you know gotten dementia, and we had cared for him, and he had passed away. And, uh, and then my mom uh, had finally reached a point where she couldn't be cared for anymore at home, and she had to be put in a nursing home. Uh, And she was just there for a short period of time. And and she was not in a good way. She was very miserable uh, about the whole situation. And uh, to to, um, make a a long story short, probably the only two people who really visited her with great regularity uh, would would be myself, uh, my wife, to a lesser extent, and my son, John. Uh, you know other people would stop up or, you know periodically, but she she was you know really so negative uh with different things. It was uh, not an enjoyable experience for anybody else and and she really didn't uh, in some ways get something out of it. She just needed someone to tee off on mm-hmm. uh you know, and lots of times that happens you know when people are old and they're you know they're hurting but um, trying to set the stage to what you know to to, to what things are. I have to add one other piece. That probably the only two people in my entire family who uh, really are of religious nature is my son Jonathan, who actually happens to be a commissioned minister, amongst other things. He's a social worker, and myself. My wife is an atheist. My other children are atheists or agnostics, and you know nobody else is really a a believer or takes that seriously or does any studying about it on a daily basis like I do or my son, Mike, periodically. But uh, here we are, we're supposed to go someplace, and I get a call from the uh, nursing home that morning. And, uh, you know, they say, gee, your mother's not doing very well. You might want to get up here. And uh, I was supposed to go to a concert with my son and his wife up at Turning Stone. And I gave him a call and said, "Hey, I, I have to cancel. I'm going over to the uh, to the nursing home, which was just a few minutes away." And uh, we went over there. He and I. Everybody else stayed home uh, to, you know, until we could see what was the matter. And uh, I would share my frustrations with him a great deal about my mom and you know how see her deteriorating like this or whatever, and you know just just being in this ugly place in many times Mm -hmm. and also the thing that had gotten me through that my father's death uh, my daughter's death very greatly was my were my religious beliefs and uh we go there and sure enough uh you know she's has the death rattle that's going on and uh she's unconscious and i could tell you know being in the health field that she was the time was of the essence here so they sat there and said, you know, would you like to call a minister? Uh, and uh, it looks like this might be the end for her sometime during the day. You know, it might be good to get last rites. And I said, yes, I would. And, uh, you know, we they went well, you know, ahead with the procedure, and she looked like she was getting, you know, worse. And I said to my son, I said, uh, no one's going to come. And, and, of course, no one did eventually come or anything else like that. And I said to him, why don't we, the two of us, I said, we're the only two believers and everything else. Why why don't we, you know, try and give her our version on the last rites Mm -hmm. and say the proper things over her. Now, To me, it was, man, it's a very profound thing to have your beloved mother there. You know, my son, just the three of us there, just the three of us there, all related You know, all the generations in there and with great sincerity, uh, you know, I took my son's hand, he took mine we put it on my mother. And we said a very short, beautiful prayer and to to make it very simple for the audience. It was pretty much that, you know, my mother was a wonderful person and, and we'd like you to take her. We'd like you to take her because she was unhappy. Right. And without my father and, and, and just being in this, you know, rotten nursing home. It doesn't matter how nice the place is, she she just hated every second of it. And, you know, could he be merciful and do that? And you know, we we knew that if, if we asked that God would do the right thing. And 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 we made that request very humbly and sincerely to both of us. Well, I swear to good God, all my on their graves how serious I'm being. It wasn't. Uh, I don't think. 90 seconds later, and boom, my mother just whew, took a happy last breath, and wham, you, you, you wouldn't even know it, it was gone. Wow. Well. That was it. Nothing like in the movie. You know, nobody go. No death rattle, no nothing. gone. goodbye, peace. I looked at my son. He looked at me. And again, you know, somebody might say coincidence or whatever. And I said, well, God really does answer your prayer sometimes, doesn't he? And he said, he sure does. And we said another prayer over and everything else like that. And. Then we did a couple of things literally for a few minutes that we had to do because I was going to come back later on and, and make sure some other things that had to be done, you know, like the, the procedure of somebody passing away that everything had been provided for before that would be taken care of. And it was that time in the morning on a weekday when nobody's there. You know, and, and I had been to the nursing home all with my son a million times. And you see people coming up and down there, and whatever it was. Um, we knew everybody. And, and you know, you don't see anybody, you don't see too many new people or, or whatever. So uh, anyway, we're kind of blown away by this 90-second clock. And the manner of my mother's passing, how beautiful it was and how uh, in line it was with our prayer. And I said, geez, I, to my son, I, said, I, I wish everybody could be at something like this because you, you talk about giving people hope uh, and, and feeling good. And I said, said gee, thank you, God. And we walked down the hall and we get in the elevator. And just as we're getting in the elevator, it was always a pain in the neck. I'll, I'll never forget what the elevator. Uh you know, you have to have the staff open it up for you, you know, when you're on certain floors and everything else so mm-hmm. that people don't, you know, get away or whatever. And uh out of nowhere, these two people get on the elevator. Uh and one person was uh, you know, like a, a taller woman and the other person was a little bit, you know, shorter. And they both had on these odd ah, t shirts. Or sweatshirts, whatever the heck they wore, some kind of shirt. It was so unusual. I've never seen anything like this. And it, it, there was never any religious things up at the nursing home. I never saw anything, even during the holidays. You never see. I never saw anything that had to do with religion. But both of the people had these shirts on that clearly said "God loves you," "God bless you," you know, something about the Holy Spirit or whatever. Right. They were these religious shirts on, and. They got on, and it was kind of like two people out of like the Twilight Zone. you know, when you see one of those things? All right. These weird characters, and uh, I mean, my mother just died for Christ's sakes. And I'm standing there with my son, and and, and forgive my language, but I'm being serious (laughs) with you. You you know when somebody's making up the story when they're telling you something real. Mm -hmm. To to say that, you know, I'm a trained observer, to say that they were just the average two Joes getting (laughs) on the other thing, no. Uh, that wasn't the case, and my son, I didn't. I never said a word. I look at him, and he looks at me, and it was like, Whoa, let you know, look at those shirts. So he, he had the same thought that I did, and we didn't say anything. And then the uh, elevator comes down, to, you know, to the ground floor, and we never saw these people. We were just coming down two floors, and the two people both look at us, and they said, "God loves you." You know what's saying, Not God bless you. I remembered it correctly now. God loves you and the door's closed. <whistles> Away they go. Again, that's when they weren't there anymore. I could I said to him, I said, Did you see that? He says, Jesus, don't even say it. I said, nobody's gonna believe it. They're gonna <laughs> think I'm making it. number one, it's they're not gonna believe the ninety seconds. They're not gonna believe out of nowhere. At 10 o'clock in the morning, on a Tuesday morning, in Binghamton, New York, two people that we never see at the place get on. They both have religious t-shirts on, that, that mirror, the event that happened, and then they don't know us, and as we get off, they don't say, have a nice day. They don't say, "God." Bless. they say, God loves you. That's now, awesome. could it be a big coincidence? I guess you might say that. Uh that same feeling that I had, that's why I gave you this setup with the blowing out the lights and everything else like that. Mm -hmm. I had goosebumps before they said anything. You know, with all the random events, all the random factors that you have to have to make something like that come together in in that short period of time in this space, I thought was extraordinary. And to me, I don't know what the heck that was. I don't know what, whether those were normal people and uh you know it it it, it was just a coincidence but, you know to me it reminded me of the stories that I used to love to read in Greek mythology when the gods used to walk the earth as normal people and i'm not a big uh, I'm not a big guy into so where i you know I, I have like a guardian angel or something like that you know i i'm not that i have have not had those experiences mm hmm But, uh, man, I'll tell you, that was, um, I don't know, what do you think? You're the the, the spirit guy more than I am on
0: that. What does it sound like to you? To me, you know, it wouldn't matter whether they were, uh, again, the the mysterious strangers who were never there or or just normal people, you know, it would, uh, you know, events lining up in that way you know, to me, you know, even if, even if they were just, you know, regular people with, with the religious t-shirts, you know, to me that would say, uh, you know, for lack of a better word, uh, divine intervention, divine orchestration, you know, right. f- for things right. to work out the way they did. But, uh, my gut tells me when I hear it, you know, I, I certainly do lean more to the, um, the side of uh, they probably weren't uh, your everyday people walking around the nursing home with religious shirts on at nine in the morning, you know, uh, just to come on an elevator at that time and 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 give you that message, you know it. It really does smack of one of those things that, like you said, it's it's very uh, very toilet zone.
1: Yeah, and you know what the thing is? As a psychologist, you like the you say you like the scientific side of this thing for your audience. I'll, I'll, it's very funny. I have um, I always have to argue with my with my wife and family sometimes because I have allergies, and they get sick of hearing about that if they light a candle or somebody puts a, a you know a, one of those uh, laundry sheets and that has a scent on it or something, mm-hmm. and it sets my skin on fire. <laughs> And people don't get that until they have allergies, you know, and they go to the doctor and somebody will say, hey, you're putting those sheets that will set people's skin on fire in there? You better stop doing that. (laughs) But this guy or this gal or this kid, I mean, you know, can't handle that. Uh, Some people do that kind of stuff for attention. Right. And, uh, you know, I I have a disc blown out in my back. Uh, And uh, I'll often say the same thing to other people. I'll say, wow, you know, you had that a few times last year and I'll say, yeah, but I don't get what they call secondary gain from it. I don't get out of going to work. I don't get out of, you know, shoveling snow. Nobody takes special care of me uh, unless I have to go to the, you know, doctor or something like that. And I couldn't drive, but I'm not getting anything out of it. You know what I'm trying to say? Mm -hmm. Uh, Nobody's uh, saying all that poor thing. You know, it'll be, well, you know, go get your back operated on if it's bothering you or whatever. I mean, people, take things pretty matter-of-factly like that. I wish that wasn't the case, but sometimes I have to remind people of that. And that was how, as psychologists, we'd always practice, too, if a person had a particular illness, uh, and we questioned whether that might have some psychosomatic or psychogenic causes for that, we'd always look uh, and say, is that person getting any secondary gain out of that where they want that to continue, you know? Right. So... With, with this situation, with the people getting on the, uh, you know, the elevator, uh, or the girl uh, in my class, there was no secondary gain from that. She didn't, you know, get any any advantage by calling the police. She didn't get any money from her parents. She got a lot of grief, as a matter of what, as a matter of fact. I didn't. I'm perfectly fine with my mother passing away uh, and just writing it off to say, hey. You know, what a lucky thing. We said a a prayer and, you know, a minute later she passed away. I I guess she lucked out, you know. Thank you, universe, for listening to us. Mm -hmm. We weren't weren't looking for that. We didn't need that to reaffirm our faith uh, in in our religion or anything. We didn't need those things. Uh, So there was, you know, there was no inner need that I'm aware of uh, that I had or my son had. You know, quite the contrary. We had each other we had my mother we we you know we knew she was at peace all of all of our needs all of our wants had already been met so uh it's just like your story about uh, Sarah or the girl in the bookstore what what's the point what, what what
0: you know what what game would you have by making up that story yeah there's it's certainly not going to make me uh, rich or famous telling that story.
1: <laughs> Am I right or wrong? I mean, you know, that's what, a, that's what a policeman would say. I mean, I've worked in forensics and everything. It's like uh, when, when, you, when you get somebody and you say, where were you, you know, somebody's accusing you of something, and they say, where were you on Tuesday? You know, January 3rd. Uh, you know, that was two months ago. Oh, I was at the movies, and I saw this, and I was with my friend well, you might have a great memory, that could be a possibility, there might be some reason. Well, I've, been, I've taken forensic training. You'd say, what makes you remember that? How do you know that's the fact? Well, I heard, the, you know, I looked at the clock on the wall because I heard uh, an alarm go off or whatever. Or you would say, hey, your memory's too good because you were forming an alibi. Right. You know? right. So if I said to anybody in the audience, like, what were you doing last Tuesday? I bet you 75% of, you, of the people, unless you have well, like a schedule at work or something, you can't remember. Mm-hmm. I, can't, I can't tell you what I had for dinner two days ago, or even yesterday sometimes. And I don't have dementia. Why would I be remembering all that silly stuff? Yes, yeah, that's true. You know? So Very true. It's, it's, I think, when we look at things scientifically, and people tell us stories, well, when they're incredible stories... You know, if we want to, it's important to to try and and find some confirming data for those things. But sometimes just because we don't have that confirmation doesn't mean they didn't exist. Or it doesn't mean that those things are not extraordinary or extrasensory uh, kinds of things, uh, events that can happen. And, uh, you know, uh, you might say that we can't prove that this happened. Um, but sometimes people are, are saying things, uh, you, you know, that have a high degree of believability, believability. There are people who have a good sterling reputation, uh, you know, that their stories have high reliability and validity to them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And yeah, you know, if I'm not beating it to death, uh, it's, it's one of the things why, you know, you want to pursue it. Uh, you know, or at least if you can't prove it, to tell the story, and you know somebody will be eventually be out there, and if there's some way to determine it, that'll be the link so that we discover it.
0: You know what it might be. You know, and uh, and speaking of good uh, good stories, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna hop into my next uh, tale of the unbelievable. <laughs> About your grandmother, right? Yep, and you heard this one the other night uh, about my grandmother who had um, had a stroke. This was back I think she passed away in, I believe it was the spring of 1986. And she'd had a stroke. And what they didn't know is that she had, you know, cancer in her liver and it had spread. And, you know, the, they thought that the, the stroke had, uh, you know, uh, been caused by that. Um, you know, somehow, but she was very depressed because she couldn't walk. She had a, you know, hard time lifting her, her right arm, you know, very independent woman. Uh, you know, she was in the hospital. They sent her home, you know, she kind of hobbled around with, uh, with a walker and uh, you know, long story short, she ended up kind of getting worse and, you know, having other symptoms and, you know, not feeling well. Uh, And that's when, uh, you know, they they took her back to the hospital and discovered, you know, there was, uh, you know, cancer in her liver and, you know, spreading, you know, throughout the body. And um, it it got to a point toward the end, uh, it was probably about a week after she went back in the hospital that she had passed away. And uh, I I got home from work one night and uh, I I lived with my grandmother at, at, at that point. And my one, one uncle was there and he said, you know, you better come up to the hospital. You know, she, she's not doing so good. They don't, um, you know, we don't know how long she's going to, uh, you know, be here from here on out. So I went up to the hospital and previous to that, she didn't, she didn't recognize any of the family members. You know, she wouldn't really talk to them or very little. She didn't know who they were, but for some odd reason, she recognized me. I would walk in the room and she would, uh. You know, asked me what I had for dinner. You know, I was always uh, back then. Uh, you know, I, I was always uh, making cheeseburgers, and she'd always ask me, "Did you eat any cheeseburgers? Did you, you know, watch? any, <laughs> You know, <laughs> did you did you watch any uh, ghost stories on the VCR? You know, just just like normal life." And uh, so we got up there that night, and uh, the rest of the family was out in the lobby. You know, my other uncle, my mother, my father. And uh, they were like, nah, she's not even really talking to us. She doesn't, you know, know who any of us are. And they said, why don't you go in and and see if she still recognizes you, you know? So I, so I went in by myself, you know, I, I went in and, and she did, you know, she recognized me. Oh, you know, you know, are, are you eating okay? You know, she was one of those grandmothers always, you know, putting food in front of you. And, uh, previous to this, uh, when we were, you know, before she had, uh, you know, got to that point where she didn't recognize anybody, she would, uh, would tell us about this minister that would come into her room at night, you know, his name was John, you know, how nice he was. He would sit and he would talk to her and, you know, talk to her about God and heaven. And, you know, he was such a nice guy, you know, always talking about, you know, the, the minister, John. So that night I go I go into her her room and I'm talking to her and uh, you know she's asking me you know if, if I ate you know uh, you know how's everything going at work and then she you know her countenance kind of drops and she, she's she's kind of looking down and uh, I said what's what's the matter and then she said you know she said uh, John came in here the other night and he said that he was going to come here. Uh, tomorrow night, and take me by the hand, and I was going to get up a, out of this hospital bed and, and and walk out of the hospital. And I said, uh, "Is was well, is that bad? You 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 know you you want to walk?" And she goes, "Yeah, I know." She goes, "But there's you know all those other people, you know all those other people out there, meaning the the family." She says, "They they they want me to stay here, and I don't I don't know what to do." And I said, well, if, if John comes, you know, tomorrow night and you can get out of that bed and and get the hell out of this place, you do it, you know? And she looked up with this big smile and she said, really? And I said, yeah, you know, if, if he comes and, you know, you, you can get the hell out of that bed, you you get out of here, you know? And she said, you know what? I'm going, I'm gonna, you know, when he comes tomorrow night, I'm going to walk out of this place. And it was at exactly uh the next night that that she passed away, you know just when she said that John was going to uh you know come and take her by the hand and it was at that point we asked uh you know the nurses, you know who is the uh, the clergyman john you know she she spoke so highly of him, you know again we wanna we wanna thank this guy for being you know so nice and you know uh you know uplifting to her and it was another one of those cases where, you know, they said, we, we don't have a, a clergyman, a clergyman named John, you know, just, you know, it's just that they said all, all of our clergymen, they don't work past uh, a certain time. So the, the hour that she was talking about, you know, coming in like eight, nine, 10 o'clock at night, uh, never would have happened anyway. So, you know, again, one of those uh, mysterious people that, uh, that never existed, at least not in our, uh, particular reality.
1: Yeah, cer- certainly, uh, boy, that sounds like a tale right out of One Step Beyond. I'm dating myself, but that was, uh, the precursor to the Twilight Zone. My lord, that's, uh, that, that is, uh, a, quite the story, you know? And, and, uh yeah, I, I love the title that you gave. the, the, the People, uh, what is it again? People who, the, the person who was not there?
0: The, those mysterious strangers who were never there.
1: Right, those mysterious strangers who were never there. I wonder what experiences that your audience has. It would be great if they can share some of those with you and uh, in another podcast we could discuss some of them because, boy, what a what a fascinating topic. What would happen if all of a sudden several people really like this podcast and they say, this, this is a wonderful podcast. You and Stan do a wonderful job together. And then uh, they'll say, you gotta do another one and you have to get back on and say, well, I called up Stan. And then I got this woman, Ramona, and I said, is Stan there? And she said, Stan who?
0: Yeah. You- <laughs>
1: and he said, Stan, Stan Wangland. Stan and she'll say, Stan, Stan passed away several years ago
0: you never know there's there's, there's a story I'm not even here if, if i may throw that in i was up in uh lake george probably uh jesus probably about uh 10 years ago before i met my wife and i i went to um this old uh it was a bed and breakfast that was uh once uh you know an old uh, victorian house they converted and there was an, uh-huh. or, a local author there who wrote um you know a number of books on uh paranormal experiences and he said um the the author had written in the book that he, he injured his back, you know, coming off his uh, front step, you know, he, he tripped, you know, he twisted his back and uh, he he ended up going to this chiropractor and uh, he said the guy was really good. He worked on him and he used very peculiar techniques like, you know, bar magnets that he placed on his back and, you know, all these different techniques. And he said, man, you know, he, he was so good, you know, and I, and I immediately felt better. And, uh, he said it was. It was probably. Um, I don't know how much time had passed. That that he, uh, you know, he he had another issue that that he wanted to go to a chiropractor. So he he went back to this office and it, it was abandoned. And he said, "Oh, he he must wow. have moved." And he looked this chiropractor up, and uh, come to find out, this particular uh, chiropractor uh, doctor, uh, whatever his name was, had. Uh, had passed away in like the early 1900s, you know, he, he lived in the area and, and, and he practiced, but it was, uh, you know, uh, many, many years ago that he was, he was deceased, you know, and that, that office was, uh, you know, not occupied by anybody. So, uh, you know, uh, having a chiropractic, uh, adjustment by, uh, by a dead guy, I guess that would, that would fit the bill of, <laughs> you know, <laughs> the stories we're yeah, talking about.
1: That, that, that's wild. That, that's wild, boy. I'll, I'll tell you. I'm not going to sleep tonight after these stories. And by the way, I'm going to call that uh, when I told you that thing about you calling my house and standing in near. that's the mysterious joke that wasn't. <laughs> in case I know it's like a joke grenade now, it's been about seven minutes. If I threw that out there, I, I thought it would, we, I would lighten it up there a little bit. It appeared to be very clever.
0: And, uh, well, 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 you failed.
1: Spiritual moment there, there's no joking on the spirit side
0: now. The spirits don't like that, ball uh, I'm telling <laughs> you, they, they possessed me and said, hey, you know, this isn't going to fly. <laughs> That's true.
1: Do you have any more time on your show today, or, do, or shall I? Hold, or do I have to hold my story
0: on the poltergeist experience? Well, if you can, if you think you can tell it in ten to twelve minutes, I think we're good to go.
1: Uh, I think I can. I can shorten it. Uh, you know, uh, with that. Last words, but I'll try and be very quickly, uh, do it very quickly, and it takes away from it, but I'm going to do it anyway. And this is very true, and this story can be documented. Uh, in the uh, late 70s, um, I married uh, my children's mother, and we were newlyweds, and uh, I was living in an apartment with uh, my ex-wife uh, right behind the Masters Golf Tournament on Ray's Creek. It's very famous. And we had this beautiful apartment uh, that was on the second floor, and it faced to the back of Ray's Creek, uh, which is this beautiful uh, wooden setting and everything else like that. Uh, So to make a long story as short as I can, we were entertaining one night, and I had uh, decided to move back to New York with my wife in in about a month. And uh, we were having some company over and the guy downstairs uh, was a captain in the army and his wife. And this is important because we live very close to Fort Gordon, Georgia, which is in Augusta. And I went downstairs with him because he lived in the downstairs apartment and we went out in the back. It was a beautiful night and I wanted to have a cigarette and a glass of uh, cream sherry with him mm-hmm. there. And uh, we were having us. I was having a cigarette and he was having a smoke and a glass of sherry after dinner. And all of a sudden, he says, look out. And I said, what? And boom, uh, a, a kind of like a shot or something comes by. And I said, what the hell was that? And there was like a screen glass at French doors that he had downstairs. And it had cracked uh, like a gunshot, but it wasn't a gunshot, a, a thing in the window. And he says, don't you see that, that black shadow over there of a guy? And I said, no. And uh, I said, holy Jesus. Anyway, it went from that to a lot of crazy stuff. And uh, we went back in, the, in our apartment and went upstairs. I was telling my wife, I said, jesus some guy downstairs. And then all of a sudden, we hear this bang on the door. And we go down, there's nobody there. And uh, the phone rings a few times. Uh, nothing happens. And then we hear more of a bang on the door again. And now remember, there's no cell phones now or anything else like that. Mm. Then there's the stuff that looks like uh, like Elmer's glue on the, dog, the door. And there were some words on it that, uh, that weren't directed towards me, but I guess were to my wife or something else. Said, you dirty whatever. Wow. And it's on the door. And I said, wow, that's, that's pretty crazy. And uh, then the lights in the hall are going on and off. So we called the police. And the police came over and uh, they investigated the thing and they went around the building and uh, then they went in the woods and looked at everything behind the house. And all of a sudden, uh, there's another knock at the door and we go out there. And the same stuff happens. This is where the cops are there. This is the Georgia police. Wow. You guys aren't kidding around. And this happens on a, well, it finally stops after about an hour. Nothing. So okay, pretty creepy. Yeah. Well, it, it, kind of, it kind of rattled my cage, and I'll never forget. Uh, I went out. It, my my one of my, my best friend was actually a psychiatrist. The guy, Doctor John Clark. I called him up. I said, Jesus, it's very upsetting. And I went out and bought a, a 357 Magnum. And he gave me another gun to to keep on my uh, ankle as a as a, a backup gun. And I figured maybe it was somebody when I worked in those. Psychiatric center, I don't know. But, but I was a full-up kind of a guy. I never had any problems with anybody. And I said, maybe it's somebody my wife dated or something. or something. And she, we, the police went through that with her, and we couldn't think of anybody where that could be. Well, the next weekend comes, and we're having some guests over, uh, and the same stuff happens again. But this time, it's like really big time. And stuff in the laundry room is all turned over. And, uh, you know, they're banging on the doors. And there's people out, lights going on and off in the apartment complex. Of course, the police come over. And then everybody said, what the hell's going on? Because there's like, you know, three or four squad cars over there. And uh, I'll never forget one of the police officers uh, said, can you come with me in the woods? And he took an N1 carbine. And he... You hear it lock and loaded. it. holy jeez. And he says, do you have a gun? I said, yes, I do. You have an open carry there. And, and uh, you know, I went and got my gun. And he said, do you know how to use it? I said, yes, I do. He says, can you back me up? And I said, sure. So we go in there. Now, now I want you to think about that. You got police cars all the way, with floodlights on there, and you, you got a guy locking and loading. I think, well, this crap goes on. And about an hour, and... uh you know, it, it seems to have ended. And we come back to the, the door downstairs, and I said, I think it's over. And he says, it, it looks like it. And out of nowhere, what comes in, and hits right at the ground? A penny. Right, right at our feet. And then a little piece of aluminum uh, foil, like from a cigarette pack. Mm-hmm. And, you know, do you know how close somebody has to be for that to happen? yeah the next weekend the police are furious now and they're they're you know waiting for this to happen again because now it's happening every weekend and i have to be honest with you they thought it might be a guy who was a magician that my uh my ex-wife had gone out with but a guy called dixie dooley i couldn't make this up but he was occupied those nights doing a show so we hmm. couldn't get him and the next week, what do they do? The police said, "Hey, look, we're going to stake you out." And they had this dog, Max, the bloodhound, and they had guys put in the woods at about 4:30 in the afternoon, waiting for the sun to go down. And I'll never forget my buddy, John Clark, the psychiatrist, brought a shotgun over. I had a shotgun. We actually waited in my apartment you know, to see what would happen. I used to go to sleep at night, pushing a dresser in front of the door and sleeping with a gun under my bed. Wow. That's how scary it was. This is the God's honest truth. I couldn't make this up. So anyway, same shit happens. Only this time, it was a riot. There were cops running around. It was like a movie. There's something going on in the laundry room. And the lights are on. No, all the circuits are broken. Now, this is what the dog is out there, the snipers in the woods, the whole thing. And one of the cops comes in, he says, the lights just went out and look what we found. There is a penny underneath the, uh, they screwed the lighting with a penny so it made everything short out. And then it stopped. So the next day was on a Sunday, I'll never forget this. My buddy, the psychiatrist, John Clark, he came over and he said, how you doing today? And he came over to have coffee with us in the morning. Man, I'll tell you, that's unreal, man. I mean, I said there must have been twelve policemen here the other night. There was like four squad cars. I said, uh, you know, that that's pretty spooky. I said, you know, I have to carry guns on me all the time because I think somebody's going to try and kill us or, or whatever. And it always ends with this ringing of the phone three times. And I said, you could people right in that the building as the police are there. How could they miss him? And he says, well, where did this all start? And I said, I'll show you, Dan, and I'll show you the whole thing started. And I bring him downstairs. It's just out to the backyard. And I walk about 25 yards away. I'll never forget, my ex-wife's up there. And I said, hey, tell me you got a pack of cigarettes, would you, from the second floor? And she does. And I come back over, and I said, it's right here. And it was a cold day. It was like in February or something. And, uh, it, but we were in Georgia. It just a little chill in the air. And there was this fallen tree. And I said, I said, the thing that gets me, John, is the little thing from the cigarette pack or the penny. Understanding. We standing. I mean, how far could you throw that? I mean, it was obviously whoever did that or whatever did that, this black shadow, this ninja, whatever, it landed right at our feet we never heard anything. And as I'm talking to him, I said, but my buddy Larry downstairs, the army captain said, he saw something right around here, near the tree. And he says, where? I said, near the tree that we're you know, right on right now. And at that point in time, it just started to snow. The snow came down and guess what happened to the tree, Paul? I couldn't tell you. <laughs> How about if I told you on my my late daughter's grave that the tree burst into flames? Wow. It was just like you took um, charcoal lighter fluid and put it all over the tree, and the tree burst into flames. It burst into flames so much that I had to run over to my ex-wife, who was up on the second floor, and say, throw me down the uh, fire extinguisher that we have from the kitchen so that I could put it out. And uh, that was the ultimate creep-out, and uh, I had about another week or eight days before I moved back to New York, and I I guess I was worried about the the, 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 the movie The Entity wasn't out by then, but I said, holy Jesus, the only thing that I could speculate is that Mm -hmm. maybe on the military base, some stalker or ninja-like person was uh, stalking in the woods behind, the house, and maybe I had seen my wife or you know, my ex-wife in her underwear or something or some crazy thing. Maybe there was some kind of um, chemical or something they could put on the tree that if you combined it with water would make it burst. Pers- I have no idea. It was totally crazy. But the most important thing is how could you have all those Georgia police, uh, a bloodhound out in the woods or whatever, but talk about mysterious people who were not there. There's one for the record books. Now, absolutely positively, that's documented, if, if if they keep those things on a police blotter with the Augusta
0: police. And that went on for four weekends. And you never found out if anyone in that house or area had, had never, died? Never, or... never,
1: never. And when we left, you know, we, we still know the people in there that left, that problem left.
0: You know, because what what you're ex- what you're explaining with all this and with uh, the the tree and 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 being so uh, aggressive, you know, uh, toward you and your wife, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if anybody's ever told you this. That this has all the earmarks of of being, uh, yeah, poltergeist activity. But this would fall fall more in the line of. Uh, something that they would say would be uh, demonic or, you know, a non-human entity that, uh, you know, was uh, harassing you guys.
1: And, and here's the thing I didn't mention, that's funny, and, and I don't think you're aware of this. My, my ex-wife had been married before to a very, very lovely guy. I was actually very dear friends with, I became very dear friends with his, his sister, uh, a fellow John Lyons. And he was a restaurant manager, and they were very, very happily married, uh, very, very much in love, uh, had a wonderful marriage. I always felt very, very sad. I always tried to think of him like, you know, always revere his image uh, and try to be very kind and understanding regarding that. He had been shot to death in a murder spree. Uh, he was at his restaurant, and it was my ex-wife who found him. And it, it often dawned to me, but I said, I don't know why he would because, so, you know, Because, you know, I I obviously, you know, was in love with my ex-wife. I was very nice to her. She was very nice to me and everything else like that. But who the heck knows? Maybe there was something, uh, you know, when you mentioned something like that, I I have no idea. I mean, I couldn't picture his spirit doing that. But uh, if there was such a thing uh, like that, say like a demonic thing or a poltergeist or who knows? I mean, you know, since our marriage didn't work out, uh, you know, maybe that was something he
0: wanted to bust up in loving his wife. Who knows? Yeah, it's kind of um, it's kind of rare when when you um, you know talk about hauntings by uh, spirits of the deceased when when you have things like the uh, you know the the spontaneous uh, combustion and and other you know the, the banging too when they, whenever they say the. Uh, the banging on the walls or the doors, it's, you know, usually uh, um, kind of the, one of the earmarks of the, uh, the non-human entities. You know, they're always banging on walls, banging on doors, uh, you know, the very hateful things that were on the door, you know, uh, about your wife. Yeah, they were you know those things are usually very foul and and I would ask did, did you guys ever smell any odors no no that's a that's a good question i never
1: uh, smelled any uh, odors but it, but no kidding around it was so serious that my friend who was a psychiatrist like i said we actually waited and we were totally committed to whoever this this person or thing was we were, and we would have been within our rights in the law. We were prepared to kill whoever it was, to definitely shoot him, mm-hmm. because we were definitely, a, you know, a fear of our lives there, and uh, and the police were scared shitless. The police don't come back, and the and the police do not insert, um, you know, uh, like a hunter unit or a sniper unit. And I, I couldn't make it. I, you're, I welcome your audience to check out Max the Bloodhound from Augusta, Georgia, in the late in the late seventies. Yeah, he was the tracker and and uh, whatever dog. And they, and they were pissed off. They wanted this guy. The the thing that struck me the most when I knew that somebody other than me believed in this was the police officer who locked. I'll never forget the sound of a car being being locked and loaded, and he had pulled his police car between the buildings and put the floodlight on. And you know, you, you say things, you know, you look at things sensibly. And I said, Jesus, if somebody's playing a joke, like you know, hijinks to get a laugh out of something. Somebody's got to be pretty serious to come back and and, and do something like that, because uh, you know, this is the state of Georgia in nineteen in nineteen seventy seven or nineteen seventy eight, whenever this was. Yeah, nineteen seventy eight. These these guys are not fooling around. You know, if, if, you know, you come, you walk into somebody's home and you break into somebody's home, you have the right to, to once that person has crossed the door, you don't, they don't have to have a weapon in their hands for you to plunk them and shoot them.
0: And, and, and what kind of human being would be that stealthy with all those cops around to get in your house? That's what I'm saying. Wreck the laundry room, you know, short out the, uh, you know, the, the fuse box.
1: Yeah, and I'll. The, the, I, it, it, it was crazy all the way from the beginning. I never saw any of it. Nobody at any, no one ever saw this figure except um, the uh, captain from the Army, Larry. And he didn't
0: see a person, he just saw a, 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 like a black shadow. And how long did you live in this residence before this started? Was it in the beginning, middle? Um...
1: Oh, just about, just about six months.
0: Hmm.
1: Not very long.
0: And it, uh, it it continued the whole time you lived there, or it eventually died uh, out? It, no,
1: no, it, no. It continued. Uh, it continued uh, while we lived there until we moved. And then never came up to New York or anything else with us. I never experienced that again. And neither did my ex-wife. We never experienced any such
0: stuff. Yeah, you you're probably lucky you got out uh you know when you did cuz some of these things uh they say do do follow people like the girl you talked about in the uh the college in New York. And you know the yeah. south the south is you know they say it's very haunted almost like England. There's so much history down there, you know, of uh, uh you know was this person was this uh you know, as we said uh, you know a, a non-human entity. It's 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 very hard to tell, but really, what sets it off for me is the the tree. You know, usually when you see things yes. like that, if if you had a, if you had the big guns come in, you know, the paranormal investigators with all their team, uh, you know, I, I would place money that uh, they would have concluded during their investigation that this was um, probably you know of a demonic nature and not not just a typical haunting.
1: directed towards my ex-wife there was nothing directed towards me it was all you know the, the the nasty filthy stuff on the door which would always be there would uh you know would was always directed towards her
0: but you know that 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 begs one more very important question about your ex-wife mm-hmm. was she haunted <laughs>
1: I, know, you know, being uh, when I was married to her for almost twenty years, no, I, I never saw any uh, sign of that at all. I would never say she wasn't a spiritual person of any great uh, shakes I and mean, everything. She's very nice. She always had a lot of tragedy, a lot of tragedy. It Was very highly dramatic, and very bipolar. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, very disturbed family. Very, very, uh, very, very bright. Very brilliant father. Very brilliant mother. Uh, Her brothers, were very brilliant, but very destructive, a high high degree of um, alcoholism in the family. Her brother committed suicide. Her younger brother was just like uh, Leonardo DiCaprio in Catch Me If I Can, which would be a whole other story. I mean, he he would assume identities and actually live them. Wow. Uh, And her father was a brilliant head of armed forces radio network. Uh, was a brilliant broadcaster and uh, a brilliant scholar. Her mother spoke uh, for real. I, I would always think she was a liar you know, about her family and was not. Her mother spoke five or six languages. Uh, they were uh, an amazing uh, group of people in many ways and, and also so terribly self-destructive. Uh, not all of them.
0: Well, you know, the, those... Um those kind of entities like that can, can definitely be drawn to those kind of personalities. You know, when somebody is, uh, you know, troubled or destructive and, you know, has that kind of uh, aura, we'll, we'll say uh, they're, they're more apt to draw that kind of thing uh, to them when you it mean, comes to a haunting. You,
1: you know, though, you, you raise an interesting point that I have not, this is like a therapy session, folks. I, her mother, uh, who I'm, I'm not fooling you, was brilliant, uh, and her family was from um, Belgium, uh, was a, a, a horrific, horrific alcoholic, and probably the meanest, nastiest person I've ever met, and would always sound like uh, Mercedes McCambridge in The Exorcist.
0: Hmm.
1: As a matter of fact, when we would visit her, Uh, I would say Jesus, if I've ever seen anybody who was possessed, uh, it would be her. But I was only using that as a manner of speech. You know what I'm trying to say? I was viewed her right up until this instant uh, as just simply a Mm -hmm. just a dreadful person uh, and a and a violent alcoholic. But the more that you think about it, uh, they had such a hate relate a love and hate relationship. Her mother was insanely, insanely jealous. Of uh, my ex-wife, who was a very beautiful uh, woman and uh, very popular with guys and everything else like that, and uh, her mother was, uh, you know, uh, just a, a miserable old drunk. Uh, to use a terrible term, and, and and used to be the belle of the ball, and they had an extremely volatile uh, nature. Uh, wow. You, you wonder if that could be some uh, some kind of bad juju from the mother. Uh, I I've never seen anybody so evil in my life as an alcoholic, and I've seen some terrible alcoholics. Her well, mother was dreadful.
0: Well, well, with that yeah. with that we'll have to say to be continued because that that yeah. that brings up a question. Uh, you know, as many have heard, my childhood was pretty uh, uh, abusive, and I lived in a neighborhood uh, where there was a all the neighbors, it was terrible, infidelity, wife-beating, beating their kids, and, you know... Those were
1: the good guys.
0: Yeah, yeah. and having that uh, that ex- angelic experience, I mean, maybe it was something to uh, uh, ultimately uh, kind of save my bacon, because, uh, you know, this is something we'll talk about, uh, you know, again, um, because the, the whole neighborhood, it, it, it was like the, the Amityville horror, it was everybody, yeah. it, it was just... Incredible! The, the the things that that I heard and seen and other people. But on top of all that, I just want to say when I asked if your ex-wife was, was haunted, uh, that's a going joke between me and Stan, but I failed, just like you failed. <laughs> Abbott and Costello, we are not. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, that's true. I, because
1: you, the one thing I love about doing podcasting, and you do it so well, I hope I do the same thing on my show, and I uh, – you know. Uh, I, There's no script here. I I, I seriously doubt that you're going to edit one word of this unless it's for time and everything. So this is like a conversation that we're having, not only with one another, uh, but as I'm conversing with you, I'm getting a very positive vibe from the people that will listen to you, that some collective wisdom is out there to say that, uh, hey, uh, you know, Stan and Paul are open uh, as critical thinkers to different possibilities, Definitely not, you know, ruling out conventional wisdom or science or just saying it wasn't some crazy soldier who had ninja skills. I don't know. It didn't appear that way to the police or me or a trained psychiatrist. Mm -hmm. So uh, but that doesn't mean it couldn't be so. But I, I, you know, what an interesting. uh, This is like raw. This is authentic, raw, alive, spontaneous. uh,
0: Taking a look at stuff. Fascinating um and it's and it's nobody else enjoyed this podcast.
1: I'm sorry folks. I loved it. I got something out of it.
0: Yeah, me too definitely and I, and I won't edit anything because when it's if it runs over time, if it's short, if it's long, if if it's good and meaningful and and from the heart then then I say hey people should hear it and uh you know make their own judgments on uh, on, yeah, on what they sure. think about it but we are out of town at uh, a time here and um i just want to say i appreciate you coming on the podcast once again stan
1: my pleasure
0: and that's when you jump pleasure. in and say my pleasure <laughs> but uh, yeah we we will do this again we we definitely have more topics to cover and um you know i i certainly look forward to it
1: Thank you my friend and thank you to your audience and and god bless everybody and and peace to everybody and happy holidays thanks for listening and i'd love to hear your ideas
0: and just so everyone knows uh that stan is uh the trained psychologist i'm, I'm gonna have him back once i finish my uh my uh angel story and we're gonna we're gonna have a little uh a Little discussion about the uh, does he believe it or not? What does he think as a trained psychologist? Does he think I'm bonkers? Does he and, and he will tell the truth? He's uh, uh just because he's uh, spiritual and funny, you know, he's he's not a guy who's going to sit back and go, Oh, yeah, I, I believe something when you know, in the back of his mind, he's going, This guy needs meds, you know. <laughs> so,
1: I've already taken care of that with your wife, so I'm not too worried about it. <laughs> that's the first good sign folks when we're laughing about it and saying that the possibility is that uh you know uh it's it's highly uh it's it's hard stuff to believe that's when you know that people are are, at the very least they may not be giving you the correct interpretation of things but they're giving you a sincere one that they're not kidding you they're not pulling your leg (laughs) and and i know paul is not pulling your leg and uh goodness gracious I, I wouldn't give you a swear on my daughter's grave i i haven't made up a
0: word of anything i've told you either today nope. oh
1: for real i can take a lie detector chest <laughs>
0: yeah that's yeah, same here definitely uh definitely no nonsense it's uh and uh you know me yeah. this is why the spirit side me and the the spiritual and god and the paranormal it's been uh kind of hand-in-hand my whole life, and whether there's a reason for that, uh, you know, or it's something I just, uh, you know, those are reasons uh, I can discuss in, uh, in future podcasts. But anyway, Stan, awesome having you again. And, um, you know, everyone out there, we appreciate you listening to our, uh, our conversation here, and we will see you in the next episode of The Spirit Side. Peace.